Hey everybody, I'm super excited for this episode. My guest this week is Bill Svitavsky. I've known him for a long time, and he is the co-author and co-editor of two books, Ages of Heroes, Eras of Men, Superheroes in the American Experience, and Assembling the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Essays on the Social, Cultural, and Geopolitical Domains. I'll have links to both of them in the description below, but he's here to talk about the character that's had the most impact on his life, Batman. Right. Like, I... I want to watch all of these shows, Titans, Young Justice, all that, so I, like... I had to get it. And I haven't watched any of them yet. <laughs> but I just, like, I have to be able to watch these things, especially with the yeah. reviews the Titans is getting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, it, we, we decided, basically, we're just going to start rotating the planet for us. We'll get the DC one for a few months, and then we'll get something else for a few months. But, okay. But, uh, yeah, I mean, we haven't subscribed to We're just going to have to start rotating things. And we're about to scale back our Netflix to make room for some other Because we're, we've actually still been getting DVDs from Netflix. Cause, okay. You know, it's, it's, the, there's so much stuff that is unavailable otherwise. Right. Yeah. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the next episode of Character Progression. I'm your host, Dan Brown. Today we're talking about Batman with an author who's got published work relating to Marvel and the MCU, Bill Svitavsky. Thank you, you said my name correctly. Yes. <laughs> it took it took practice. It took knowing you for a while. So since we're talking Batman and since you've mainly written about Marvel, what kind of made you want to talk about Batman instead of a character that your your published works are more in yeah, line that's, with? Oh, that's, that's, a, that's an interesting question. In some way, I mean, I've done, I've done others. I, I did an essay in another book that was about kind of the formation of uh, superheroes, how the pulp heroes developed into the superheroes, and talked a little bit about Batman there, but it still wasn't uh, much. And yet I'm, I'm a huge Batman fan, and I think in some ways... I've shied away from making Batman my job because it's my joy in my personal life. And, hmm. it, it, you know, just being a, a, a comic scholar now is more and more making it my job. And I'm, I'm buying all these comics that aren't the comics I'm most excited about, but I feel like I have to track what's going on with the big events and things like that. So, you know, I always think, boy, I should do the ultimate Batman article or book, but part of me shies away because because it's it's the thing I want to enjoy. That's fair. And so for the two people in the world who don't know who Batman is, why don't you give them a quick explanation? Okay. <laughs> wow. Uh, uh, so Batman is uh, Bruce Wayne, a uh, millionaire or billionaire, depending on where you look in his history, uh, whose parents were killed by a uh, criminal, and he swore to commit his life to a mission against crime, and uh, he's super competent, and he has really cool stuff, and he's, at least since 1970, is 
pretty obsessive personality. He's a very dark hero. He's intelligent and all around cool. And what is it about Batman that stands out to you that makes you like him so much when compared to other DC heroes like Superman or even some of his his more mainstream Marvel contemporaries like Iron Man? I think one thing, you know, since I was a young child, that stood out to me is that Batman is the human superhero. He's the vulnerable one. Superman can bounce the bullets off his chest. Batman gets beaten up, and then he gets up again, and he keeps on going. That definitely had a big, he still has always had a big appeal to me. And the fact that he's a dark hero, that he scares criminals, that he's he, he's very grim, and I think Batman. Batman just really embodies that there's bad stuff in the world and you can still do the right thing and make things better. And to some extent, I think that's... that's in, Superman has, has some little bit of darkness. His planet blew up. But in Batman, the bad side of things is a little more prominent in this concept. And yet he's a hero. He keeps going. There's a happy ending. I guess especially in The Dark Knight Rises where the happy ending kind of just came yeah. out of nowhere. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, but yeah, I, I actually kind of like seeing a resolution there. You know, you focused a lot on, like, the grim aspects and getting beaten up. So in what kind of ways has Batman inspired you and has being a Batman fan lifted you up and made your life better? I mean, definitely in, in a sense of resilience. Uh, it, when, when things have been bad, just that heroic ethos of just survive this, keep on going, that's certainly been important to me. But I, it's also, I think, a big part of what I've learned from Batman is the advantages and the disadvantages of absolutely committing yourself to something that you know, Batman is the one professional among a bunch of amateur superheroes. It is, it, <laughs> yeah. I've never thought about it that yeah, way. Yeah, it, it is Batman's life to do these things. And he's, you know, since, since the question back in the 80s, Batman has kind of had this role as the approver of new superheroes. He shows up in the middle of the night at someone's bedside. <laughs> you know, the, the, first, the first scene like this was in Denny O'Neill's The Question, and Denny O'Neill is the Batman. Yeah, yeah. yeah right. Uh, and uh, he shows up at uh, Vic Sage's bedside when Vic Sage has been shot in the head and basically calls him an incompetent and tells him he's lucky he's not dead. And if you want to do this, this has got to be your life. And that's that's why Batman is so effective is he is absolutely committed to what he does. But he's also not a happy person. There are, he... he doesn't have a well-rounded life. You know, Alfred's always trying to get him to to live the life of Bruce Wayne. I mean, I think in the academic world, that's an important thing to keep in mind. I, I, I live among experts and specialists who are extremely competent and knowledgeable in their own fields, but a, a lot of them don't have hobbies. Their hobby is their work and, and vice versa. I see that trade-off. It's a path I... I live in the academic world. I, I have to go that direction in some ways. I'm a librarian. I get to be a generalist. That's important. Uh, <laughs> uh, so it's, it's something that's always at play in my life of how much do I specialize and commit myself and how much do I just try to lead a well-rounded human life? And I think, I think those questions are very important in that that's just kind of good advice for everyone. I think most people out there, I know definitely in myself, 
have a hard time of separating out the hobby from the work. Mm -hmm. When I was selling comic books, when you and I met, reading them stopped being fun. It just mm -hmm. became part of my job when I was there talking about them all day. So while, you know, when I started there, I loved Superman and I wanted to, I wanted to read all these Superman comics. Eventually it just turned into, ah, all right, let me sit down and read <laughs> uh -huh, these things. Because uh -huh. when I was on my time, the last thing I wanted to do was concentrate more on comic books. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, Tom King has just done a wonderful job of exploring the many dimensions of Batman. And at times, he's gone, we've seen hints of the, the Batman of the early years when there was a bit more of a swashbuckling dimension to him. There, there is a period of Batman when he was having fun fighting crime. There are also extended periods where he is, it's just what he does, and mm -hmm. fun is not even on his radar. You know, I think both of those approaches are good examples for how to decide how to lead your life. Agreed. The thing that stands out to me as a kind of example of that dichotomy between the takes on Batman were in Grant Morrison's DC One Million event. Mm -hmm. And for anyone listening, you've heard me mention Grant Morrison before. He's one of the greatest writers in comic book history. Just if you get the chance to read anything he's written, just do it. You'll be happy you did. But in DC One Million, that took place in the 300. 52nd century, if I remember correctly. Batman was this group of basically bat-shaped nanobots with Bruce's brainwaves in there, and he so he would, could still act as Batman after his death. His version of Robin, called Robin the Toy Wonder, was a robot who was programmed with the brainwaves of Bruce before his parents died. And that version of Robin thought that being a superhero was the coolest thing you could imagine. He loved doing what he did. Meanwhile, the older version of the exact same person was miserable and worn down and just, I don't want to say bitter, but definitely not enjoying what he did. It, and that's just, I mean, that, that really kind of takes these basic themes of Batman and kind of makes the metaphorical literal, the, 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 that Robin is the boyhood of Batman. Yeah. Yeah, I, you know, and I, I, mean, that's, I mean, Batman's about boyhood and he's about adulthood. Agreed. I referenced the Batman of the future. Are there any specific versions of Batman since there have been hundreds of alternate realities or any things that just the main Batman that we all know have done that you can think of that specifically shaped your point of view with the character or even how he's influenced your life? Yeah, oh, definitely. I could probably rattle off a bunch of them, but I will, I, I will, I'd start with my introduction to Batman was the Adam West TV series. Before I could read, uh, uh, I was watching it in early syndication as a young child, and that was Batman. It is goofiest. It was it was campy. Uh, it was funny stuff. You know, you watch it as an adult, it's hilarious. Uh, watching it as a kid, I took it seriously. Right. And that's part of the beauty of that series. So that was my introduction. That's what first made me love Batman. But then, by the time I learned to read, 
the Denny O'Neill Neil Adams Batman had completely uh, altered the Batman of comics, and Neil Adams brought back the dark side of Batman that he'd had in 1939, and Denny O'Neill gave Batman a psychology, gave him a personality for the first time. Mm -hmm. So, as a young kid, I had to reconcile in my mind these two versions of Batman, which I think has shaped my love of superheroes in general, that there's a huge spectrum just in Batman, and I think probably set me up for an academic approach to superheroes, that there are all these different ways of shaping them and interpreting them. and So I think I think that pair of, of Batman uh, <laughs> was very, very formative for me. And then probably the next big step after that was in the 80s with Alan Moore uh, doing the killing joke with, uh, with Frank Miller doing The Dark Knight, where comics were, you know, those things happened when I was in college, and the comics grew up at the same point I did. And so that certainly uh, kept my devotion. So I mean, I think those are all key moments for me, but there are so many moments I love. And I've, I've got to say, say, Tom King's current run on Batman is one of my favorite runs of Batman ever. It's so good. And even looking at kind of the way he looks at Batman in the second arc of it, titled I Am Suicide, they did one of the coolest things that I can ever recall in a Batman comic, looking at how there's only one real difference in the origins between Batman, Catwoman, and Bane, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. where all three of them witnessed their parents' deaths, but Batman had Alfred and Commissioner Gordon patting him on the back saying, things will be all right. Bane had someone punch him in the arm and tell him to man up, and Catwoman had no one. She was just left on her own. And in the art, Catwoman finds a notebook of Batman's that says basically how easily any of them could have become the other. Uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and yeah, that, those kinds of insights are what I love about Tom King. And, and the fact, he, he's just systematically, the, the first issue of his run, he has Batman as superhero. Batman saves a, a, a crashing jet, which is just totally a Superman thing to do. Mm -hmm. And to have Batman do that where he ends up you know, riding on the top of the jet, things lashed to the, the engines... And, you know, that's Batman at his most fantastic, his most over-the-top superhero. And then a few issues later, things are just very gritty, and it's just, uh, those dimensions are important. I think this owes a lot to Grant Morrison. Who, uh, mm -hmm. just, Grant Morrison did a lot to reclaim the goofy years of Batman. Yeah. Uh, um, you know, you know but, I mean, my... By teen years, before The Dark Knight Returns, there was actually a pretty small group of Batman fans. Batman was not the, the fan favorite in, uh, in the uh, early 80s. But what the, the discussion there was, it was all very defensive. I mean, I've got a, uh, there was a wonderful Amazing Heroes interview with Denny O'Neill where he spends most of the article just explaining Batman's not this funny, campy hero. He's this, this had to be explained to an audience of comics fans at that point. Yeah. And you know, I spent and I spent my teen years trying to explain that to my friends that Batman was a dark hero. Yeah, <laughs> and, and and so I think you know, there's been this among the Batman fans. There there was a long resentment of the '50s and '60s Batman stories, where Batman was traveling in space and time, and things were just goofy. 
Yeah, when when the Riddler was stealing like the world's first riddle, and yes. Penguin had his umbrellas. Yeah, the Joker did practical jokes. Yeah, and yes, yes, it was all very comics code approved, mm-hmm. child friendly, uh, completely absurd stuff. As you know, in, especially in the wake of uh, Frank Miller's Batman. There was kind of this absolute rejection of that uh, part of Batman's history of well we don't talk about that that was a mis- <laughs> that wasn't Batman that was just uh, that was bad writers distorting uh, things and yet my my love of Batman originated with Adam West yeah uh, and and Morrison brought back the, the, the Batman from Planet X and, uh, <laughs> he was you know Robin dies at dawn is a very odd dated story and, and, and Morrison made it key to his run and brought in you know, Dick Grayson with the flying Batmobile mm-hmm. you know and, and Morrison has always had an interest in Batman is superhero. Batman, Batman is the guy who can beat the rest of the Justice League. Yeah. Without losing the awareness that part of the central appeal is Batman's humanity. What stands out in that regard is in his Justice League run, when you have Batman dodge Darkseid's Omega Beams, which Superman and the Flash can barely move out of the way yes, of. Yes, yes, And yet Batman dodges at just the right second, and instead of continuing to pursue Batman with them, Darkseid just kind of stops and is just like, how the hell did a human <laughs> um, manage to get by that? Yes, yes. And even in Morrison's first issue of, uh, of JLA, where Batman goes into infiltrate, I think it was the first issue, the first storyline anywhere, where he infiltrates the uh, White Martians ship or base or wherever it was they were, and he just disappears. And this is the point where everyone realizes that it's the White Martians, and there's just, oh, well, Batman's just a human, he's dead. There's no way he survived these Kryptonian level ruthless villains. Yeah. And he's gone for. An issue or two, I mm-hmm. think. And then he comes back. He's he's figured everything out. He's pretty much found the key to the whole situation. It's Batman's vulnerability and his super ability. And those, those are both key to him. I think that's one of the first times that I recall somebody asking how Batman was able to do something. And the answer just being simply accepted as, because he's Batman. Yes, yes, (laughs) yep. Okay, so just to get a little more meta on this, if you had the ability to say something to Batman himself, he walks into this room right now, or you you see on the sheet that Bruce Wayne scheduled an appointment with you. Uh Uh-huh. What do you say to him, given the opportunity? Oh, gee, wow, wow. He'd be pretty intimidating. definitely Uh, but if if i thought he'd listen to me if he wanted some life advice i I embrace what you were as a boy enjoy life get creative i mean there you get these little hints that batman is he's a human being capable of happiness in there there was a a great storyline in um, James Robinson's Starman, where uh, uh, Starman... Um, Jack Knight? Jack Knight, thank you. You're <laughs> welcome. I was thinking Ted Knight. It's like, no, that's the... Uh, that's the J- other J- one. J- 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 so Jack Knight, who is 
just very aesthetically driven and very caught up in his own cultural commentary and in some ways is exactly the opposite of what Batman's telling people to do make this crime fighting your life and Jack is just interested in culture and what's going on in the world and so so Jack Dyke meets Batman and the first things he asks him what's your favorite Woody Allen movie and Batman is just completely contemptuous and this doesn't even answer. So several issues of storyline go by and the uh, situation is resolved. Crimes and misdemeanors. <laughs> which is which is funny. Yeah. <laughs> Batman remembered the question. He has a favorite Batman Woody Allen movie. Or he may not even be Sincerely, he may be joking there. Yeah, uh, especially given the name of the movie. Yeah, yeah, yes. You know, Batman's got a sense of humor. Mm -hmm. He saves it until he's fought the crime. Yeah. uh, He's he's utterly serious when he's going about his business. But he's got a sense of humor. Oh, yeah. I remember an episode of Batman the Animated Series where he was fighting the Joker. And during the fight, like, Joker falls off some rafters and he's holding on and like he's asking batman to save him and i don't remember the line but batman basically he looks at him as just like hang on and then smiles and the joker just goes you made a joke Uh, yeah yeah. and just starts cracking up and just lets go and just lets himself fall because in his mind at that point whether he lived or died was irrelevant he made batman crack a joke he won. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and the thing is that, I mean, the Joker is really, he, he is the guy who tells Batman to lighten up. And that's really good advice for Batman. Yeah. <laughs> it's in the Batman-Joker relationship. Is there, there's just so much there. Mm-hmm. And, and, and there uh, on, on the one hand, Batman needs needs a good laugh now and then. Yeah. But the Joker, the Joker is also, he, Joker is the embodiment of insanity. And the the modern Batman from from Denny O'Neill onward. I mean, Batman's real enemy is insanity. That he's that, that he that he's had these traumatic experiences that threaten to crack him. Mm-hmm. There are especially the the post Frank Miller fans ha- have loved to uh, go on the Batman is insane rants. And I think that completely misses the point. Batman's not insane. Batman is threatened by insanity constantly. Because he kind of knows that if he loses focus, the it almost feels like the absurdity of his life and of his experiences would be too much for him. So he has to keep focused and just keep moving forward. Yeah, and he does. He holds it together. He is the most effective person in the world. <laughs> so, so it's just... There's just such beautiful duality to him. Yeah, I love, was it, in the New 52 Justice League series when, I don't remember the exact line, but Batman basically insulted Green Lantern when they were looking to increase membership because Batman wanted Firestorm on the team and Green Lantern didn't think he was ready. So then Firestorm laughs, and one of the other people, I think the Flash, looks at him and is just like, what's so funny? He's just like, I don't think I'm ready for this team either. 
but I'm sure as hell not going to argue with Batman about <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that's, yeah, that's Batman, the, the arbiter of superheroes. And he's done this again and again. You know, he, you know, he's the one who vouched for Booster Gold. He's <laughs> the, you know, each new hero comes along. He's the one who shows up. And first of all, he tells them they're an idiot. Yeah. And then he judges what their potential is. And, and there, there's arrogance in that. But he's also the one qualified to make those judgments. Exactly. I remember in um, Steve Niles' Creeper run, right after the Creeper was kind of made himself publicly known, he's in an alleyway and Batman just shows up to him and goes, I know who you are. Should I be worried? (laughs) And Creeper just goes, I don't think so. And Batman goes, all right, good. If anything changes, I'll be back. And then he just leaves. Uh Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just to basically let him know, like, I'm watching you. But also, despite the fact that the Creeper is has green hair and uh-huh. a big grin with red lips, which in Gotham City is not a great <laughs> yeah. sign, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he still was willing to give him the benefit of the doubt, even if just temporarily. So, all right, last question then. Let's say you knew someone who was going through a hard time. You know, they come in here to talk to you, or you see them out in your life, or whatever... Given what we've spoken about today and kind of the lessons and inspirations from Batman, what would you tell them to try to help them get through their bad situation and kind of rise above it? Wow, wow. I guess one thing I'd I'd say, informed by Batman, is that when really bad stuff happens to you, it's not going to go away. It's not going to be all better. It's not going to be the same as uh, things were before that doesn't mean it's the end for you that i mean batman is made stronger by his experience he's he's less happy but he's strong and he's he does good in the world he's it's a good life that he it's not the same life that he would have had as bruce wayne with uh living parents but he survives and he excels and i i think that's important that healing from bad things isn't returning to the way you were it's becoming better, becoming something that's different, but good. All right, Bill, that's about all the time we have. I know you've got your books out. Why don't you tell anybody who's listening what they're called and how they can find them? Okay. Uh, they are uh, both on Amazon. Uh, they are co- uh, both collections of essays that I have uh, co-edited and contributed chapters to. The first one is called uh, Ages of Heroes, Eras of Men, Superheroes, and the American Experience. And it's really just kind of looking at the entire history of superheroes. And it's, it's academic, but it's I think comics fans will appreciate and enjoy the uh, essays in it. It's not completely dry because the contributors know these characters and love them. It's just a different kind of geekery. So that, that so uh, Ages of Heroes are as a man was the first one. Uh, just on super the history of superheroes in general. And then uh, just last year was uh, the most recent one. Assembling the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and that's a collection of essays on the MCU movies uh, specifically. There have been a lot of academic uh, books about uh, superheroes in general, but this is specifically looking at the Marvel Studios productions. And it comes from all sorts of different angles. So, you know, there are philosophical essays. We've got a couple things by classicists or Roman history and Marvel heroes. There's feminist stuff. There's a wide range of academic perspectives on things. 
And again, I think we deliberately made this so that you don't have to be a, a grad student to get something out of these. Uh, at the same time, we wanted something that would have something to offer the academic world. All right, great. That sounds awesome. Thanks again for doing this, Bill. I'm glad, always to talk, glad to talk about that, man. <laughs> All right. Uh, bye, everybody.